You are listening to episode 23 of the Money Owners Podcast with me, Morgan Rochard. Money Owners is a podcast for people who want to be mentally and financially crushing it. This podcast does not provide investment advice, and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you'd like more information on Money Owners Coaching, the podcast, the homework, and everything I have to offer, visit www.moneyowners.com. All right, what's happening, my fellow money owners? Today's episode is all about debt. So I've been working with some clients who have taken on some debt, and it's been getting like the wheels turning in my brain about what's been going on in the world in general, Um, and particularly for America. I mean, I don't really know the global stats on this, but... Consider some of these from Debt.org. The average household in America now carries $8,284 in credit card debt, which sounds pretty high (laughs) to me um, because there are a lot of households that carry no credit card debt. So if that's the average number, you can imagine what it might really look like for a median number. Um, Also from Debt.org, though, the average American household carries about $137,000 in total debt, and this is a mix of all types of debt. And I actually thought that that number was lower than it would have otherwise been. But um, I think the thing to think about when we think about debt is there's reasonable debt and then there's debt that becomes a slippery slope. So today I kind of wanted to flesh out the ideas of reasonable debt versus slippery slope debt. And then if you're actually in debt, to give you some practical tips on what to do about it. So without further ado, why don't we dive in here? Reasonable debt. So I think we'll just kind of go down the list of what would be considered reasonable and then I'll like, you know, dig into them deeper. So one thing that would be considered reasonable debt are um, things that actually increase income and have a reasonable rate. Um, Another thing would be a mortgage potentially or a car loan. So let's dig deeper. So things that actually income increase income and have a reasonable rate, things like that are something like, let's say, student loans, where your payments after you get out of school aren't more than 10% of your total income. So one of the things that you want to think about is when you're actually taking on student loan debt is whether or not the, the degree you're going for is justified given the amount of loans that you're going to have to take out. Um, to get that degree, and then what it looks like on the other side of how you're going to be able to pay that off. So I know I've been promising this um, student loan episode, and we will get into it. I don't want to get into all the programs today. The government has um, offered, you know, aid, quote unquote, to people <laughs> to help them pay back their loans. And what they've done is they've they've extended the term on a lot of these things. They've also offered something called public student loan forgiveness, whereby you can work for the government, and if you make all of the payments that you're supposed to make, theoretically, your loans could be forgiven over 10 years. That's all well and good if you actually work for the government. And if you do, you consolidate your loans the way that you're supposed to, and then you make all of the payments on time, and you make sure that they're counted and everything else. Great, your loans will be forgiven, and you won't have any kind of tax bill. For everybody else, though, who kind of goes into these programs, what they don't realize with the student loan forgiveness is that at the end of it, they will have a tax bill. And the thing that they need to be saving for by lowering their payments and potentially getting all of this forgiveness is the large tax bill that they're going to be hit with at the end of that. So the thing I really want people to be thinking about when they're thinking about taking on student loans is if I take on this this loan and I go for this degree, what is the salary I'm going to make on the other side of this? And am I going to be able to pay back my student loans over the real the regular period that I'm supposed to pay them off, which is 10 years? So that shouldn't be more than 10% of your income. 
And the Washington Post actually has a really good calculator for this. They put this out a couple of years ago, and there was like a lot of hype about it, and they left it up, which is fantastic. And we will link to it in the show notes. So you'll go to moneyowners.com forward slash 23 to get um, the calculator, the link to the calculator. Um, basically, based on loans, the rates right now, so if you're looking at about a 5% loan, um, which is potentially what you can get right now for a student loan, um, I would say it's one for one on what you should be looking at for a salary. So if you're taking on $250,000 in student loan debt, you should be able to make two hundred fifty dollars when you come out. Um, that's at like a 5% interest rate. Obviously, if you're able to get a lower rate, right, then the numbers will look a little bit different. At a higher rate, you would need to make more income. A lower rate, you would need to make less income to pay it back. Um, the thing to think about, though, right, is like, so I mean, I have a couple of psychologists in my practice. Um, I had one whose family was able to pay for her degree. And then I have another person who she could, her family couldn't afford it. So she took on a bunch of loans, right? But now she's sitting with 280 grand student loan debt. And the median income that a psychologist makes um, in New York is $91,000. So I would say that in that case, that didn't really work out so well, right? Like she really needed to be making about 280. She's making 90 or whatever it is that she's making, right? And she's going to have a really hard time paying back those loans. Um, it gets particularly complicated when you get when you enter into those programs um, that I don't really want to go too deeply into um, and what like what your payment actually looks like and which payment program you're in and everything else. So um, what I think the thing to focus on is whether or not the degree itself is actually going to provide you with value. And if the degree itself is not going to provide you with monetary value to pay off these loans, then maybe it's not something that you should be taking on. Maybe it's something that you need to save for and do later on in your life. Um, another thing that would be considered something that actually increases income is a business loan, right? So you can take out a business loan and provided that you've calculated a good internal rate of return and that the, the rate of return that you calculated would be higher than the amount of interest that you would pay on this loan, right? Then the business loan will actually help make you money. Um, so examples of this, right, would be, let's say you have a product or service, but you need equipment for it and you don't have the money for said equipment. If you do the math on it and you buy this equipment, you take out the loan, everything else and how much you'll actually be able to make. And if you make sure that you hustle to sell the amount of units that you need to sell, right, all of these have assumptions into it. But if you're able to do all of that, then, you know, taking out that business loan would actually help you increase income and therefore would be a good idea. So other, you know, other reasons why maybe you'd be doing this is if you've been in business for a while and you're looking to expand, you've done the math on that, right, that it makes sense to expand, to, to expand. these would be good reasons to take out a business loan. Some bad reasons, though, right, it's like you haven't really done the math or you haven't really thought about this idea. You haven't fully fleshed out why you're taking out this loan, but you're like, I have this great idea, I need money. Um, that would be a bad reason to take out a loan. I don't suggest doing that because that will get you into some trouble. Um, and potentially you won't be able to pay back that loan. Now you're saddled with a bunch of debt and you have no way of actually increasing your income. So these are things that you definitely need to be thinking about and working all of the numbers out before you do. But if it actually is able to increase your income, then it's worth doing. Um, other bad reasons to take out a business loan would be like your credit cards are already maxed out and you're running a business. So you decide to take out a business loan, but you're actually doing it to float your personal expenses. That would be a terrible idea. Definitely don't do that. Even if you think rates are low and it's a good idea to take out that loan, I mean, potentially it wouldn't be if you couldn't pay it back. So I would say the only reason to take out a business loan would be for a true business purpose that has a true return behind it. All right. So other things that would be considered reasonable debt is something like a mortgage. So your mortgage, provided that it's less than like, let's say, 30% of your pre-tax income, um, would potentially be a good reason to take on some debt. 
Um, again, I think it makes sense to do math here. So maybe if you're not going to stay in that home for a long period of time, it might actually make sense to rent versus buy. I get that question a lot from people. Should I buy or should I rent? Um, and the number one thing we ask people when they say that is how long do you want to actually stay in this house? If you're not looking to stay for longer than five years, it probably doesn't make sense for you to buy at all. Um, what you're assuming when you buy is that the in, that the price of the home is going to go up and then that that's going to offset like the all of the costs associated with both buying that home and selling that home. So that would be a bad reason to take on a mortgage. <laughs> um, a good reason would be, though, if you were going to stay in a place for a very long period of time and you were being reasonable about it. So, I mean, I mentioned the 30% or less of income number, but honestly, it really should be closer to 20% or less of income if you actually want to build and grow wealth over a long period of time. 30% is going to make it really hard, especially if you have other expenses and other things going on. I mean, it, I don't, you can calculate what you're spending right now on rent or your mortgage, and I guarantee you if you're spending 30% or more, you're probably not saving anything, right? Because you have other expenses and you're probably spending 5% of your pre-tax income on, you know, just groceries alone. And maybe you're spending another 10% on your car, right? And these things start to add up. And then before you know it, after taxes, you've, you've got nothing left. So all things to consider when you're taking on a mortgage. Same thing with car loans, right? So, right, potentially you need a car to actually get to work and to be able to go and do the things that will help you make money. That's all well and good, but if you take on a car loan that's, you know, really high then or a really bad rate or something like that then or a high percentage of pre-tax income, now you're getting yourself in a position where you can't actually afford that car. So ideally, you really want to keep car loans under, uh, not even car loans, honestly, all of your vehicle expenses if you add them up. So the loan itself, your insurance, uh, parking, maintenance, fuel, all of that stuff should probably be under 7% of pre-tax income. And ideally, you spend as little as possible, right? I mean, unless like your car is the most important thing to you, then that really shouldn't be where you're putting all your money. Um, for example, like I have a client actually who his car really is important to him. It's one of the highest things that he values when he thinks about things that he values in his life. So you're going to tell that person he can't spend money on his car? No, of course not. But that does mean, right, that he doesn't spend that money in other places, so it would be one thing if he said, hey, my car is super important to me and I want to spend all of this money on my car. And then he turned around and he also spent money in all these other places and he wasn't able to save any money. That wouldn't be a good thing, right? But if you're willing to sacrifice in some other areas to have the car, let's say, that you want because that is something that you value, then maybe you don't keep it under 7% of pre-tax income, but you make sure that it fits in your budget. All right. So slippery slope debt. That's pretty much anything else that I haven't mentioned here. <laughs> if it doesn't increase income, if it's not putting a roof over your head at a reasonable rate, and if it's not something that takes you to work, then you probably don't really need to be taking on debt for that. So examples of this, right, would be credit cards. Um, credit card debt it has very high percentages, um, especially in like the lowest interest rate environment that we've ever seen, right? I've still seen credit cards be over 20% in interest. So I would say that's probably one of the worst places that you can loan money. It's they're basically, I mean, maybe I guess the worst thing would be like going to your loan shark, um, <laughs> and then breaking your kneecaps. So definitely don't do that. I mean, if you're going to do that, maybe take on credit card debt instead, or maybe start evaluating your spending and what you're doing. Um, but yeah, credit cards don't don't go down that. It's a very slippery slope. Um, pay your yeah, pay your bill at the end of every month. And if you're not paying your bill at the end of every month, evaluate it. Why aren't you paying your bill at the end of every month? Do you have a timing problem? Do you need to call the credit card company to move the date at which you should be paying because for some reason it's not lined up with when you actually get paid? Um, if that's the case, that means that you're actually living paycheck to paycheck, right? So 
now you actually do need to evaluate your budget and see what's going on in there to make sure that you are still saving. You have some cushions and everything else so you could do all the things that you want to do in your life, right? All that stuff that we keep talking about on this podcast. But yeah, credit card debt, slippery slope. Don't go there. Um, I would say, so for me, I never run a credit card balance. I pay off my credit card at the end of every month. The only time in my life I've ever run a credit card balance was when I opened my business. They gave me um, one of these business cards at Chase that had a 0% for one whole year. And I did run a balance at that time. And you know what I did? (laughs) I saved all this money so that I could make sure I could pay it off at one lump sum at the end of the year so I wouldn't get charged any interest because I'm an, I'm a nut like that. So yeah, I guess if you get one of these zero interest cards, like it's fine for you to run a balance, but that said, like you should do the math on how you pay it off before you start getting interest, right? Because like that 0% doesn't stay at 0% usually longer than a year or six months or whatever the introductory rate is. And then after that, it jumps significantly. And then all of a sudden you're paying a bunch of interest on something that maybe you shouldn't have taken out to begin with. Um, I would actually say that those there's a reason why they offer those 0% cards, and it's because they know that you probably aren't going to pay it off, right? That you're just going to overspend because you have the 0%, oh, I'll pay it off later, you kick the can down the road, the next thing you know, you're paying 20% interest, um, and you can't afford it, and now the interest is compounding, and now it's getting out of control. Don't be that, right? Stop yourself before you get there. Other things that are slippery slope debt. So student loan debt with no high paying job to repay the loan. I mean, I know we kind of went through this already in the reasonable debt, um, but it's something to consider, right? If you're going for your PhD in basket weaving, but basket weaving only pays 40 grand a year and you're taking on 300 grand in debt to do it, I don't know necessarily if that's in your best interest. Maybe you love basket weaving. Maybe it's the best thing that's ever happened to you, but it's a hobby. It's not a profession if you need to take on that much debt. To do that. Um, and you know, I kind of use basket weaving as an example <laughs> and I know it's silly, but if you really think about it right there, are a lot of people who say, okay, I want to like take on a nonprofit job or do one of these things where I take on a lot of student loan debt, but it's worth it to me because I want to help people in whatever way. You can help people in any way that you want to help people. You don't have to do it by having a job that requires you to take on a bunch of debt that isn't going to pay you on the other side. So something to consider is like, You don't always need to, you know, be immersed in whatever you're doing. You can maybe spend weekends doing something to help people if that's something that's really important to you in your lifetime, right? Like, I think sometimes we think we have to saddle ourselves with debt to go out there and do the things that we want to do. But at the end of the day, sometimes we could just go out there and do those things. We don't need to do all these other complicated things that mess with our financial lives to actually get to that place. So something to consider if you haven't already taken on that student loan debt. If you already have taken on that student loan debt, We will talk about what to do after I get through this long list, apparently, of slippery slope debt. So sorry about that. Um, Other things that you shouldn't do that are slippery slope debt. So things like personal loans for weddings. I hate that. Do not do that. Please don't do that. I don't know why you would do that. Yes. Okay. It's like, oh, it's the single most important day in your life. La, 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 la. Is it really, though? (laughs) I mean, I love my husband. Don't get me wrong. He's fantastic. And I'm so glad that we're married. But like if we had like a like hundred grand in student loan or sorry, not student loan debt, we had a hundred grand of wedding debt because I've seen these New York weddings get out of control because we did like I would just I would resent that day for the rest of my life. So something to consider if you're thinking about taking out a personal loan or like going to one of those um, what is like prosper.com or one of those places because they're just handing out loans where, you know, people on the other side are so starved for interest rates that they're willing to loan to you even though you're bad credit. Don't do that. Please don't do that. 
Um, especially don't do personal loans to pay for regular expenses, right? If you're taking out a loan to pay for regular expenses, you're spending too much and you need to recognize that. So, I mean, I don't know how else to tell you that other than like, you're going to apply for that loan. Like it's a real sign that something is off in your budget. Um, the next thing, IRS debt. I see this happen to people quite a bit because especially business owners, right? They don't get taxes taken out of their paycheck. Um, and then the next thing you know, they've spent all the money. <laughs> I actually did a haiku on this. Um, I should have I should have gotten it, brought it up before I did this podcast. Sorry about that. But um, basically, <laughs> I shared this with people in my practice because the thing is, right, business owners, we have this thing in our, we have like gross income in our head. And that's what we think that we make, right? So I have like a business owner um, grosses one and a half million dollars a year, but then has to pay all the people on um, on his staff, has to pay for all the expenses to actually run that business, has to pay taxes because they're a corporation, then also pays himself and then has to pay taxes on that, right? It's like the number gets much, much smaller. So he doesn't actually have one and a half million dollars, right? He has something closer to like $600,000 pre-tax, <laughs> <laughs> and then once he pays taxes on that, right now we're like, we're left with 350. Okay. So like one and a half million turned into $350,000 very quickly. So I think sometimes like we kind of laugh at people, oh, how can they not pay the IRS? Blah, 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 blah. But when you're a business owner, it actually can happen really easily because you think you're making a lot more, more money than you actually are. Um, if you are in a situation where you're a business owner and you can't seem to keep up with the IRS, it's because you have a spending problem. There's no other way that I can tell you that you have a spending problem other than if you're behind on paying your taxes, it means that you spent too much of your money pre-tax. <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts. Sorry about that. Um, other things that would be slippery slope debt. So mortgages of 44% of your income. Fannie Mae is still willing to lend people at that rate, which I think is crazy considering everything that happened in 2008. But yeah, if um, you want to apply for a loan, with Fannie Mae, um, you can actually still take out a mortgage at 44% of your income. That leaves very little on the other side. Um, I've done the math on this. I mean, you basically, if you take out a, a mortgage for 44% of your income, you probably can't even afford a car uh, to get from your home to your work. So I hope you're working from home. Uh, you're definitely not taking a vacation. Hope you don't have a pet. Hopefully you don't have kids that are very hungry because pretty much the only thing you're going to be doing is buying groceries with the leftover money. I mean, there's there's really not much left after that. Um, same thing with car loans, right? If you're starting to spend more than 10% or more of your pre-tax income, it starts to become a slippery slope. You don't have that much money left over. So these are things you really need to be thinking about. The home is really important to you or the car is really important to you. What other stuff can give on the other side? You can't have it always. You can't have the fancy car, the fancy house, take the vacations, rack up a bunch of debt and hope that everything's going to work out. I promise you it will not work out. All right. So now that I've talked your ear off about that stuff, <laughs> what do you do if you're in debt? You're like, okay, you're telling me like what's good and what's bad, but like I'm already in debt. So sorry, what do I do about it? All right. Well, you got a budget. I know it sounds terrible. You got a budget. Uh, yeah, I know. There's kind of no way about around it. I mean, you don't have to budget if you're just like, I'm going to pretend that I'm poor and not spend any of my money. That's a good way to handle it. <laughs> Most people, that doesn't really work, right? So what you have to actually do is sit down, take a look at what you've spent in the past, 
Um, a descriptive budget looking backwards is a good idea. That way you can see everything that went out and you can make determination of whether or not the things that went out were actually things that you wanted to spend money on. So think about it. Did those things align your spending with your values? I know this is stuff that we talk about quite a bit in this podcast and sometimes I just want to repeat it. I mean, these are kinds of things where we're thinking are our thoughts what they want them to be, right? Um, I know, like I say this over and over and over again, but it's really the basis for all of your financial decisions is it starts with your brain. It always starts with your brain because your brain is telling you to make bad decisions all the time because it's a habit. And if you are in debt, you are overspending and that's a habit that your brain has. And it's a habit that's really easy for your brain and your brain knows what triggers it. And it does things to get triggered because it feels really comfortable and you need to break away from that. So budgeting is the best way to do it, right? If you're not a person who budgets and then you become a person who does budget, right? Now you flipped a switch in your brain. You're doing something different. So what thought do you need to have in your head that'll feel really good, that'll make you actually want to go budget? Uh, One I can think of off the top of my head is, okay, I don't like budgeting, but I really don't like having debt. And I want to do everything that I can to get out of debt. Now I feel determined, right? Now I feel like I can do this because, yeah, even though I don't like budgeting, I'm sort of, you know, I'm not trying to like tell my brain, budgeting's great. I love everything. It's a unicorn, right? I don't believe that because I don't like doing it. (laughs) So I have to tell my brain something else that will actually make it want to do that. Budgeting is the best way to pay down debt. It really is. Um, And then we talked about this in the last episode, um, and I want to bring it up again. So another good way to be thinking about this is that 50-30-20 budget that we talked about, where 50% of your income goes to needs, 30% goes to wants, and 20% goes to pay down debt. I would say that's a really great place to start, especially if you've never budgeted before and you're in debt. Um, Ideally, what happens is that you do the 50-30-20 budget, you start using that 20% to actually pay down your debt. And then you realize, hey, I can pay down my debt faster if I cut that 30% category of wants by a little bit. So ideally, what you do is you really cut that one down to about 20%. <laughs> and then you add another 10% towards that paying down debt thing if you can. Um, honestly, the best thing to do is to, to take as much of your income as you can to pay down that debt. The faster you can get out of the debt, the, the faster you can get back to doing whatever it is that you want to be doing in your life. So when you're considering ways to pay down debt, here are some things that you should think about. So there's something called the snowball method, and this is something that Dave Ramsey loves um, because it basically allows you to see progress as quickly as possible. So what you do in the snowball method is you make the minimum payments on all of your accounts, and then you use the rest of your budget of that 20% of your income to actually pay down the smallest balance that you have of debt. So if you think about it, if you have a credit card that has a $1,000 balance and you have a credit card with a $60,000 balance and then you have a bunch in the middle that have all sorts of other balances, under the snowball method, what you would do is you would make all the minimum payments and then you would put the rest of your budget towards that $1,000 until it went away. And the idea is that you see progress and then you will continue because seeing progress makes you feel good about yourself. The con is that you'll potentially pay more um, in interest over time, then let's say you use something like the debt avalanche. So the debt avalanche is that you pay down the highest interest rate first rather than the lowest balance first. So in that same example, let's say the $1,000 credit card had an interest rate of 10%, but the $60,000 balance had an interest rate of 25%. What you would do with debt avalanche is you would put as much as you could, so you'd make all those minimum payments again on your accounts, and then you use the rest of your budget to pay off that $60,000 debt first. It's the fastest way to pay off your debt. That's why it works. 
The con, though, of this is that it takes longer to see progress than debt snowball. So if you're the kind of person who thinks, you know, that you need to see that progress in order to feel good about it and to be able to actually pay down your debt, then debt snowball method is the right way for you to go because you'll actually pay down your debt. Whereas debt avalanche, even though it'll be faster for you, if you stop because you don't see progress and you don't actually do anything, right? (laughs) And then you stop paying down your debt, then debt avalanche isn't actually working for you. So debt avalanche only works if you don't care about that stuff, but you know, hey, I'm paying down my debt, even though it doesn't seem like I am, I'm doing everything that I can to do this as quickly as possible. Um, This kind of brings me into a thing I wanted to talk about that my husband and I were talking about. So our son now is 18 months old and he is like amazing. I mean, <laughs> I feel like every day he's learning a new word. He's always doing something new. He's like climbing on stuff. He's running around. He has, you know, a million funny facial expressions now. And he has like, like actual real likes and dislikes. And it's such a difference in like between now and what it was like 18 months ago when he was first born. And The thing about it, though, that I find so fascinating is that there were incremental changes along the way, right? To the point where, like, it's so hard for me to even see how much he had changed over the last 18 months without me looking at a picture of him as a baby. Um, But every single day, right, he's practicing new things. He's doing new things. He, you know, like, for a while, all he could do was lie on his back. And then he was able to roll over. And then he was able to sit up, right? And incrementally, every single day, he was doing a little bit and a little bit more. And now he's this 18-month-old, right? And, and, you know, 20 years from now, he'll be probably, like, blabbing on about something else on a podcast that's, like, completely out of my element. And I'll be like, what a brilliant child I have, right? (laughs) I don't know what he's going to be doing. But anyways, you get the point here, right? The point of this is something we actually talked about in the episode called Goals Versus Systems. So your baby, your child actually has a system in place whereby they incrementally change every single day. So the thing about goals versus systems, right? You set that goal. So the goal here being that you pay down debt and then you get a system in place whereby you incrementally do a little bit every single day. And the thing about it, which I find so fascinating, right, is like human beings can change so much in 18 months, right? You don't need a baby. You don't need to be a baby to change that much in 18 months. I guarantee you if you did a little bit, you just changed just a little bit every single day that you would be a completely different person in 18 months from now. And I actually think that if you changed just a little bit every single day, you'd probably be like totally different in 90 days, You only would really need three months, not even 18 months, if you just did a little bit every single day. And it actually works against you too, right? If you do just a little bit in the wrong direction every single day, you'll be a completely different person in the wrong direction in 18 months. So that's kind of what happens with debt, right? It's like it compounds, the interest compounds. And if you're not doing anything about it, right, you get more debt and then more debt and more debt. And then the next thing you know, you have so much debt that it's like crushing you and you don't even know what to do about it. Don't get yourself in that situation, right? Evaluate what's going on right now, whether or not you have, you know, $5,000 in debt or $45,000 in debt. Start right now doing something every single day to get yourself in a place where you can get out of this debt. I mean, unless like you've thought about it and your life's goal has always been to be in debt, (laughs) which is not something I ever hear from any clients, right? When we go through the goals, it's always like, I want to feel less stressed about money. I want to be able to pay for stuff for my kids. I want to be able to, you know, take a trip around the world for 90 days. These are the things I hear. I never hear, I'd love to have so much debt that it feels terrible. (laughs) Usually the reason like why they're doing financial planning is so that they can avoid that situation, right? Like that's like personal financial hell. So the point is, right? Like unless you've thought 
Like, I guarantee you, if you actually sit down and think about who you wanted to be in this lifetime, who you wanted to be in regards to your finances, it wasn't a person who was in debt. And if that is actually the case, then you need to do something right now to make sure that you're able to pay down that debt. And budgeting with something like that 50-30-20 budget and working on, let's say, the snowball method or debt avalanche, depending on what works for your personality, is the best way to go to do it. All right, other things to consider. Make extra payments, right? So if you set up that 50-30-20 budget, but you have some extra money lying around, that's maybe not part of your emergency savings. And we should probably do a whole podcast on emergency savings, speaking of. But right, have a little bit of an emergency savings, right? Have a little bit of buffer in your account. That way, like things come up, you can still pay for it. But for the most part, if you have a lot of debt, everything should be going to pay down that debt and like have some operating cash flow in the bank. But if you have anything left over, make some extra payments. I guarantee you it'll help you. Um, and be thinking about all the time, like even though you have this budget in place, maybe there are some places where you can still trim a little bit so you can put a little bit more towards your debt. Another thing to consider is get more income. Yeah, what can you do to get more income? Can you do a side hustle? Can you uh, negotiate a little bit better at your job? Can you get more clients or sell more products? Um, can you babysit? <laughs> I mean, really, can you come over and babysit my son? <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Um, and I mean, other things to consider, right? You probably have a pile of crap in your house. Can you sell some of it? Right? Maybe that would help too if you sell some stuff that's just lying around your house to pay off your debt. Um, I actually had a client who did that. Um, she had gotten some gifts and she didn't need it. And they were actually expensive gifts. And she was able to sell a bunch of it and then was able to pad her emergency savings fund, right? So um, these are things to consider when you are looking around your house. Maybe you're doing a cleanup. You're trying to get your life in order. Maybe you can sell some of that stuff. Um, the other thing to consider on the other side of that is instead of buying things new all the time, start buying them used. Uh, we have a Peloton bike in our house and honestly, it's like the best thing ever. And we bought it used on Craigslist. I remember going on the website for Peloton and being like $2,500 for a bike. Are you crazy? (laughs) I'm not paying $2,500 for a bike. Um, (laughs) and sure enough, um, I went on Craigslist and we got one for like half the price. (laughs) And it was amazing. So, um, yeah, these are all things to consider, especially things like um, stuff for your child. Like we did this with Alex. Um, We bought, you know, a used stroller and we bought some other stuff used. I mean, they destroy this stuff anyways. Like why are you paying like top dollar ticket price for some of these things that get like totally gross as it is? You might as well take somebody else's gross thing and then use it. Um, you know, obviously wipe it down or something first, but you know, these are some things to consider, right? Maybe if you can't get more income, stop paying so much for the things that you think you need in your life. Um, And then the last thing I wanted to talk about is consolidation. So people talk about debt consolidation and, oh, this is going to help you. And you use a, you know, use a service, blah, 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 blah. They're in business. They are a business, right? So something to consider is that debt consolidation is not debt elimination. And you have extended repayment terms on some of these things, which means that you're in debt longer and therefore paying interest over a longer period of time. So what happens when you do debt consolidation is you no longer have to make that minimum payment that you were making that was high. They offer you a lower minimum payment, but they'll offer you that lower minimum payment over a longer period of time. And generally what happens is that even if that interest rate is at a lower rate, it actually ends up being more interest over time, right? There's a reason why they're offering this to you and it's because they want to make money, right? (laughs) So just some things to consider, right? And the other thing that happens when you do something like debt consolidation is you don't change your behavior, right? Because you've now lowered your payment and you have no incentive to, to pay off your debt because you're like, you know, you have a lower payment, you have more income now to go do other things and possibly take on more debt. So I really don't like when people use debt consolidation, 
I mean, just all of those reasons. And generally, there are fees associated with actually doing the consolidation. Um, it's, it's generally not the right thing to do. It could be, but you really need to do the math. You need to know all of the fees up front. You need to know the interest rate that they're giving you. And you need to calculate how much interest you're going to be paying over time versus how much you would be paying on the current plan that you're on. So all things to consider when you're considering paying down your debt. And I guess I said that was the last thing, but it's really not. <laughs> the last thing is to stay focused. So it's so easy for us to get like shiny, you know, object syndrome or whatever we get when we're doing these things. Um, every financial plan has this. So the problem is that our finances take a long time to change. Unless you're making a very high income and you're spending a very small amount of money, it's very hard to see changes happen overnight. And, you know, it's like those those diets that people go on, right, where they're like, lose 10 pounds in one week. And, you know, it's all water weight or whatever, but because they basically like, you know, they made you have lemon juice with cayenne pepper for a week. Um, and then you go and like binge eat afterwards, right? <laughs> And you gain it all back, something like that. I mean, that's basically what happens with people's finances is like, if if it's something that seems like it's too good to be true, it probably is. And it probably isn't something that you could be doing. And if you are doing it the way that you're supposed to be doing, it takes a really damn long time. Um, it's basically like watching paint dry. And it's like watching paint dry across every single category in personal finance. So I see this with people with investing. Oh, my investments are not interesting. Takes so long. I don't like being in a diversified index portfolio because like it's not exciting to me. Yeah, like it's not exciting and it's probably what you should be doing, right? If it's not exciting, it's it's the right thing. <laughs> or like saving money for retirement, right? You're retiring in 30 years from now. Like, it, you know, these these concepts are so far away. They're so long. Like the amount of money that you have to save, like if you're only, if you're saving $1,000 a month, right? It doesn't really seem like that money is increasing to the point where like you have the $5 million that you need to be saving for retirement. So same thing with debt, right? Especially because the other thing you have going against you is that you're paying interest. So as you're paying interest, right, the balance is maybe decreasing depending on how much you're using to pay off that, that loan, right? But it's not decreasing as much as you think because the interest is accruing as you're paying it off. So um, that's why I actually like they have like these debt charts that you can do where it shows you what it looks like. But basically, it's like an inverse um, LN curve where it like the slope, it starts to slope down and eventually go to zero. But the slope is very small at the beginning. And it's like very slowly sloping down. And then all of a sudden, you get to a point where you're paying more principal than interest, and then things really start to change for you. So that takes a really long time. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. So unless you're a high income earner, and you're willing to change every single part of your spending, and maybe be putting somewhere between 50 and or, you know, 50% of your pre tax income towards the, the loans, if you could really make all sorts of changes in your life, then it'll happen really quickly. But otherwise, it's going to probably take you a long time. And therefore, things that take a long time, yeah, they feel really good at the end, but you need to appreciate the process and stay focused and do everything that you can to stay on track. Um, and, you know, the other thing is that if you get off track, that's okay. That's life. We're human beings. We make mistakes all the time. Don't just because, like, you get off track for one day be like, F it. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and then, like, go blow your budget or go gambling or doing whatever else you does that you got into debt to begin with, right? Don't do that. If you have a bad day, you have a bad day. Move on, right? Go home. Say to yourself, I had a bad day. Sorry, I'm stupid, whatever. Do whatever you have to say to yourself to make yourself just feel whatever you're feeling in that moment and then get up the next day and do everything that you're supposed to do. And it's the same thing, right, with a diet, right? If you have a bad night, you go out with your friends and you, you know, drink eight drinks and you eat 12 pieces of cake, the next morning, right, if you do that again, you're going to get to a place, right, incrementally, you're making all these bad changes 
And you're going to get to that place in 18 months where you're way worse off than you were when you started. So staying focused is super important. And acknowledging that you're going to make mistakes over the along the way is also super important. Because if you allow yourself to slip up every now and then, and you know that you have a way of responding to it, then I guarantee you, you're going to be able to make the changes that you need to make to actually get where you need to be. All right. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Money Owners. If you like the show, tell a friend, write a review. Please give me five stars. I'm giving you all this awesome free information. Um, Also, check out the website. There's a budgeting tool on there. So if you're somebody who's in debt, maybe that budgeting tool is something that can help you. Um, And I really appreciate everyone who's been listening. We have a Q&A episode coming up in two weeks. So if you'd like to submit your questions, go to the website moneyowners.com forward slash ask Morgan with an E or at Morgan with an E Rochard on Twitter or at money underscore owners also on Twitter and submit your question. You can submit it to me live on there. You can DM me if it's private, whatever you want to do. I will not share your name. Obviously I haven't done that on any of these episodes. I just want to get good questions out there that can really help people with their personal finances. And um, yeah, that's all. I'll see y'all in two weeks with another good topic, hopefully. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Mm -hmm.